Hello and welcome to the latest installment of Capital Ideas. This is the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Today we're going to hear Representative Zach Hudgens talk mostly about an issue that's on a lot of minds lately, computer security. Zach has a professional background in the tech industry, and long before the word hack entered the average person's vocabulary, he was looking at ways to keep online data safe and private. Zach lives in Tukwila and has represented Washington's 11th legislative district since 2003. He chairs the House General Government and Information Technology Committee, and he also has seats on the Budget Writing Appropriations Committee and the Technology and Economic Development Panel. We recorded this conversation in early June 2016, and it went like this. Welcome back to Capital Ideas. Zach, it's really a privilege to get you back here again. Yeah, it's great to be back again, Dan. I'm uh, really happy to be on the show. It's nice that people are interested and that they listen to uh, public policy issues. And one of the public policy issues that's been on your mind has been cybersecurity. This is not surprising given your background in the computer industry, but it seems like during the 2015-16 biennium, you sponsored close to a dozen bills having to do with some aspect of cybersecurity. Do you want to talk a little bit about what spurred that and where we're headed with that? My background is at Amazon.com and Microsoft, where I worked as a program manager, project manager, uh, worked in customer service, worked for marketing. And so uh, where I wasn't a coder, you meet a lot of folks that actually write computer code these days. Uh, and we've got some of those folks in the legislature as well. I worked in the industry. I've got the vocabulary. And so I understand how uh, the industry is changing a little bit. And I've brought that to the legislature. I like uh, the issue of cybersecurity for a couple of reasons. It's a relatively new emerging issue in the public policy world. Uh, certainly people have been looking at cybersecurity for the last 20 years, but it's uh, relatively new in the public sector. Um, also, it's a relatively bipartisan issue. We can reach across the aisle. Uh, we had a couple of bills uh, this year that I helped on. Um, uh, Representative Magandas uh, had a great bill that uh, criminalized a lot of activities that uh, are, are very bad and sort of helped sort out um, what caused them to be bad when you're trying to do bad things. Um, and Senator uh, Brown also had a bill that we worked on together that came through my committee that I helped uh, amend and that we tried to perfect. So that's one of the reasons I like this issue is because I've got a background in it and because it's a bipartisan issue where we're trying to solve problems, uh, protect the state, move the state forward. Is the data that you're trying to protect mainly in the care right now of state government or are we talking about Things like the the target breach and Sony and things like that, where people's data gets revealed from private industry. Uh, well, a little bit of both. So, um, if you look at all the bills that I've worked on uh, over the last few years, they generally fall into a couple of different categories. And so, one of them would be how do we prevent a a breach at the state? Um, and that would be something like uh, we saw in South Carolina or Utah or Montana, where um, hackers, bad guys went in and stole data. Um, they breached the network and they stole the data. We've seen that here in the Washington State Courts. We've seen it at the Public Disclosure Commission where people were trying to get access to the uh, information that was there. Um, and so those bills are about prevention. It's about proper funding. It's about proper training of employees. It's also about mitigating that risk. So it means that the state shouldn't have any information that it doesn't need. You know, 10, 20 years ago, when the state processed credit card numbers, the state would hold on to those credit card numbers and process. Nowadays, there's no reason why the state should have a credit card number in its possession. It's all done through third-party vendors, 
And so we should push that liability off onto them because that's where the risk is. We don't have that risk. And so some of this is about mitigating the risk and about preventing the risk. Um, and then finally, there is some piece of, the, of uh, looking at the, the private sector and what they should be doing if they have a breach, like Sony, like Target, like Home Depot, Chase, uh, the archdiocese. Uh, a lot of folks uh, have had problems with this, and one of the bills we worked on, it was an attorney general request legislation, it was done in a bipartisan fashion, was uh, to uh, create notification requirements. And so that if a consumer loses their data in a, in a computer breach, that consumer's um, under law should get notified and told about it. Uh, and so uh, it's trying to protect consumers that way. One of the things that characterizes legislation down here and probably throughout the country is that Bills don't tend to get passed into law the first time they come around. I know this is the case with at least some of yours, is that they were introduced, they stirred some conversation, they got people thinking, but they haven't yet been signed into law. Where are we at this point, given that some of these protections haven't become law? Should people be worried? Uh, well, I think everybody should always be concerned that their uh, that their data is safe, that they're changing their passwords, that they're uh, using secure websites, that they're being careful about what data they're, they're putting across computer networks. But I also don't think that we should all live in a totally paranoid world. So the state should be responsible in how it protects data. And it should be responsible in how it trains um, all of its employees and the protections we put in and uh, those kinds of things. So for just as one example, we've pushed out training to most of the state employees um, to have proper uh, cybersecurity uh, training. So they uh, aren't clicking on uh, links that they can recognize a phishing attempt and those kinds of things. Uh, we've also set up a cybersecurity um, office at, uh, in the chief information officer's um, world. We've reorganized our technology services um, and the chief information officer um, and parts of the Department of Enterprise Services so it's more efficient and then the security is also more efficient. Um, so I don't think people should be worried that all the bills didn't pass. I think it would be unrealistic of me to think every single bill I dropped uh, into the hopper that I got some signatures on would pass into law. Uh, some of them did pass, um, and those are things that are moving forward. Some of them were incorporated into the budget, which I think is a great place to put some policy that's related to saving us money. Some ideas are still being worked on, um, for example, defining a cyber attack as an emergency. And so we know that earthquakes and tidal waves are emergencies. Um, we aren't there quite yet on uh, cyber attacks, but they could be very costly and very damaging to the state. And so that's one idea we're still working on. One bill that made it all the way through the House without any opposition, made it to the Senate floor with no opposition as well, is something I'm a little disappointed that wasn't passed. And it was syncing up the public disclosure law with our open public meetings law. So currently, if you are in a, uh, an, an open public meetings, you're required to talk about uh, sensitive security issues um, in open meetings that are not required to be disclosed under the Public Disclosure uh, Act. So the Public Disclosure Act protects sensitive information and the open public meetings does not. And so we're trying to sync those things up. That's the kind of uh, situation we don't want to expose local governments to or the state government where they would be required to talk about their vulnerabilities in an open meeting where they would never be required to publicly disclose those vulnerabilities, if there were any. Um, and so that's one of the bills that I uh, hope to have passed um, coming up next year, and I'll be continuing to work on these issues. You're also in a position to where you are giving advice to other state legislatures, are you not, as part of a task force that is trying to spread awareness of this throughout the country? 
like I mentioned, the uh, issue of cybersecurity is something that is relatively new in the public policy realm. Again, people that have been dealing with computer networks may chuckle a little bit saying it's a new thing. They've been dealing with this for 20 years. But in the public world, we've seen some very high-profile attacks. We get a lot more in Washington State than other places, and they say that's because they confuse Washington State with Washington, D.C. They say it's because we've got some more military or because we have a lot of high-tech in our state. Um, and so we've been on the forefront nationally for a lot of policies about how do we protect ourselves, how do we create best practices, how do we share what we're doing at the state level with local jurisdictions. Sewer districts, city councils, other folks look to the state for guidance or for assistance. And through all of this work, I was invited to sit on a national task force on cybersecurity that's put together by the National Conference of State Legislators. So we've gotten together once recently, again, is coming up in August, and we'll uh, talk about what we're working on in each state, and we get uh, presentations about what's going on in other states, what's working. Um, and this is, for example, around the notification bill. So there's a lot of different variations on what the consumer requirements are for notifying people if they've lost their data. Uh, so it is a great honor to serve on that national task force and uh, to try and learn from other states and to try and teach them what we've done out here. Before we run out of time, I want to give you a chance to also talk about some other things that you're up to. I know that you sponsored several bills. You are chair of the General Government and Information Technology Committee, so you're not simply about cybersecurity so that people might have a better idea of what Zach Hudgens has been up to. Tell me a little bit about some of your other priorities. Well, I've moved off of the Arts Commission. I moved off the Technology Services Board, but I did uh, get put onto the Information Technology, the IT Projects uh, Oversight Task Force. So we're looking at our IT projects. Are they being implemented properly? Are they being done well? We're trying some new innovative ways of funding IT projects uh, in the state budget, working with Republicans in the Senate. We're trying to figure out a way to drive down our vendor costs. I think it's a great innovative idea. We'll see how it works out over the next few years. We've got our first meeting uh, for that task force coming up. I'll continue to work on cybersecurity issues. Like I said, I had some of the bills not passed, so I'm going to keep pushing on those. I uh, got some bills that came from uh, constituents back home trying to recognize a Cesar Chavez Day, for example, and that got hung up in the Senate. A high school student uh, told me about that idea. Got some folks from South Park uh, that uh, offered an idea for a bill that also made it to the Senate floor around um, right-sizing regulations for small business promoters around um, uh, entertaining wrestling, sort of Lucha Libre type events. And so uh, that's a bill that got to the Senate floor as well that uh, didn't pass last year. So I'll be working on those things, helping small businesses. Uh, I also had uh, a couple of bills, one of them passed around uh, election transparency and accountability. It's been uh, over 10 years since the Gregoire Rossi recount, uh, and so we've seen some need for another look, another set of reforms around our election system. And so uh, got some reports that were passed in the last legislative session. We're going to do some more around accountability and making sure that everybody's vote counts and that every um, office is being run as best as it can. Uh, these are issues that uh, we've seen a little bit around the margins, but it's a big issue in King County about making sure people have enough ballot boxes that make sure that uh, ballots aren't being rejected frivolously and that sort of a thing. So trying to bring that transparency and accountability to elections is important to me also. Do I recall you were involved in advising several governments around the world on how to institute fair and transparent elections? 
I've done a, a bunch of international work around elections and participation. So uh, the one folks remember or talk about the most uh, was I was in Baghdad in uh, 2004, helping them get ready for their first elections. Uh, I've also helped in Ukraine, uh, in Kyrgyzstan, uh, hosted delegations from Thailand, Malaysia, um, through the American Council of Young Political Leaders, through the National Endowment for Democracy, through the U.S. State Department, uh, trying to help folks from emerging democracies uh, see the benefit to self-determination, to see the benefit of setting your own course. And uh, and it's really exciting looking at places like Myanmar, Burma, uh, that are really literally having their first elections in 50 years. Uh, I met some of those folks at a conference I spoke at for the State Department in Kuala Lumpur for young Southeast Asian leaders. Uh, and it's just exciting seeing these young um, democracies emerge, and it's really exciting being a part of that. So whether it was with the National Democratic Institute, uh, whether it was in Iraq, which was scary. Uh, but these are really, I think, uh, our fundamental core values. If we each have a voice that matters, that we each want to participate in the process, and uh, these are things that we've internalized and that are important, no matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, uh, they are important to us, and this is why elections matter and your voice matters, and no matter what the candidates say, no matter how ugly it gets, people still need to get out there and vote and participate, and, uh, and we need to make sure that the process is moving forward. We're about out of time here. I know you've got a busy schedule, and I want to give you a chance to bring up anything that maybe we haven't touched on that you feel is important for people to hear about. You know, one thing that I think is uh, one of the more innovative things I've seen down here in many years is uh, it's, it, there's a bill called Breakfast After the Bell, but it's a program that local school districts have been doing, some of them as long as 25 years. Tukwila has, my school district, I live in Tukwila, has just expanded it to all of their grade schools. And it's a simple idea that uh, hungry kids can't learn, so we should try and figure out how to make sure that we're leveraging federal dollars using existing programs, using existing facilities to make sure that kids are getting breakfast. And many places right now, after the bell rings, kids can't eat anymore. So a uh, simple idea of allowing kids to maybe get a granola bar or a, an apple or banana or something at their desk, uh, it's an important idea. And it goes with our broader food policy agenda, uh, pulling folks together from our agriculture, agricultural sector, uh, pulling people together uh, from our school districts across the state, saying, how do we tie these things together? How do we make sure kids are getting healthy food? How do we make sure that our investments in McCleary are going towards kids that can learn because they're not distracted by uh, hungry, grumbling stomachs, that these are kids that are there ready to learn? Um, and it shouldn't get tied up in whether parents should feed their kids or not. It shouldn't be tied up in how much it costs. It should be tied up in what are the outcomes we're looking for? Hungry kids don't learn. Uh, that's one of the exciting things I'm working on, Breakfast After the Bell, where we feed kids in the morning with existing programs, with federal dollars, uh, and we're going to get better outcomes. So I'm really excited to see that program continue to spread across the state. Uh, it's only in a handful of districts in uh, Auburn, East Wenatchee, uh, Highline School District, Tukwila, and I hope to see it in more districts. So it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you for the next couple of years. Uh, there's always stuff coming from the district. There's always important issues to to find uh, that need solving, always problems that need fixing and solving. Uh, and so as we look at our state government, trying to figure out how to uh, squeeze more out of every dime, um, how to uh, balance the budget, uh, and how to be accountable to folks back home, uh, there's always plenty to do. So it's exciting to continue to working on these problems of looking for solutions. Uh, there's a lot of folks that don't want to find solutions these days. I think uh, myself and a number of folks are looking for solutions. How do we get better outcomes? How do we save more money? How do we run things better? 
those are the folks that uh, I think make great legislators. That's why I'm here. That's what I'm trying to do. I know you've got a meeting to go to, Zach, so I'm going to cut you loose here, but I really do appreciate you spending a few minutes with Capital Ideas. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you very much for having me, and thanks for your listeners for tuning in. That's it for today. If you feel like this was time well spent, why not subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes or at housedemocrats.wa.gov. Remember, this is your state government. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. Thanks for listening.